0: Hi I'm Greg Jenkins and welcome to my pregnancy podcast. Today we're going to talk about birth following cesarean section. This is commonly known as VBAC or NBAC. NBAC stands for next birth after cesarean and VBAC stands for vaginal birth after cesarean. I'm going to cover a few different areas. The first thing we'll talk about is why is this an issue The second thing we'll talk about is the principles of making important decisions around medical care or shared decision-making. Next, we'll cover the risks versus benefits and the framework that sits around that decision-making for each individual woman. We'll then cover some of the special circumstances that arise on occasions, and then finally uh, talk about care during labour if you were pursuing a vaginal birth after a caesarean. So let's hop into it. The first thing is, why is this an issue? Well, if you've had a cesarean before, then you're faced with a choice as to whether you want to have a cesarean again, or whether you'd like to attempt a vaginal birth. Now, this is an important decision because unlike your first pregnancy, or the the pregnancy which ended up with a cesarean, you now have a scar on your uterus. And that poses some particular concerns around things that might happen during labour. For some women, this decision making is very clear. Some women come to pregnancy with a uh, a very clear idea of how they would like to approach the process of birth for their next pregnancy. But for many women, uh, this is a challenging decision which is made across the course of their pregnancy. Let's talk about shared decision making to begin with. This is something that not only applies to decisions around caesarean section, but applies to are most significant decisions in pregnancy, and in fact across medical care generally. So there's an acronym uh, called SHARE, S H A R E, which I think outlines very nicely the process of shared decision making, and I think it it helps both sides, both the medical practitioner or the healthcare provider, uh, and the patient, or in this case the pregnant woman, in understanding the framework that we work through in making this decision. So I would see my role very much as not uh, telling you what to do, but participating in a decision-making process with you. So the first step, the S in share, is about seeking your participation. So are we agreeable that this is a process that we're going to work through together? The second thing is helping to provide you with the information that you'll need to help guide your decision-making. And ensuring as far as possible that that's accurate and reliable information that's pertinent to your particular circumstance. The A in Share is about assessing your values and preferences and bringing the information that we have uh, into line with your preferences and values so that we can move towards making a decision. The R is to reach an outcome. So to reach a decision about what you would prefer to do. And the E at the end is my evaluation of your decision. Evaluation is mostly going to mean that we reflect on the process that we've gone through and we feel satisfied that we've achieved an outcome that's been respectful of your personal autonomy to make an informed decision about the aspects of care that intimately affect you and your pregnancy and your baby. However, there might be occasions where we don't come to complete agreement, but nevertheless, um, I will still respect your your choice to make an informed decision about your care. The other useful thing to mention is that over the course of pregnancy, uh, this is a conversation which happens rather than being a specific decision point meaning that we have time to think over these issues, to digest them, to see how pregnancy progresses and the, and see how the progress of pregnancy uh, sometimes influences the decisions which are arrived at at the end of pregnancy, which might be a little bit different to the decisions which could have been made at the beginning of pregnancy. With all that out of the way, let's talk about how we make a decision. There are three things that I see as being major influences over the decision to attempt a vaginal birth or to choose for a repeat planned caesarean. The first is the likelihood of success. So is this attempt at a vaginal birth likely to be successful? And if so, how likely? The second is what may be the risks associated with attempting a vaginal birth after a caesarean in your particular circumstance and the third is to acknowledge uh, the framework uh, with which you make those decisions so what are the things that are really important for you what are your main priorities when it comes to assessing success or the likelihood of success in attempting a vaginal birth there are characteristics about your past pregnancy histories that are very important. So for example, if you've had a successful previous vaginal birth already, whether that was prior to your past cesarean or following your past cesarean, that increases your success rate quite substantially. The other thing will be uh, the circumstances around your cesarean. So why did you have a cesarean? So we know that for women who had a cesarean for what we we call a non-recurring indication, meaning something that was particular to that particular pregnancy, uh, the likelihood of success for vaginal birth in a subsequent pregnancy is higher. So one of the examples uh, around this would be a cesarean that was done for a breech presentation, so a baby that was coming bottom first. If your next baby is not breech, then there's quite a high likelihood that if you attempt a vaginal birth, you'll be successful. There are other reasons for a cesarean, and the most common reasons for a cesarean being performed during labor would be lack of making adequate progress during the course of labor or the baby showing signs of compromise in labor. Now, if your previous cesarean was for a lack of progress um, in that the baby appeared to get stuck and was unable to fit through, Then the likelihood of success for a subsequent vaginal birth uh, is a little bit lower than for some of the what are called non recurring indications. There's also some personal characteristics around the mother. So we know that for women who have a higher BMI or a higher weight, uh, the likelihood of success is a a little bit lower. Uh, It can also be a bit lower if you've had some other pregnancy complications and if you're having a large baby. So, for example, a baby estimated to be greater than four kilograms, the success rate is likely to be lower. In order to assist with these calculations, there are online VBAC success calculators. And if you Google VBAC success calculator, uh, you'll come across some algorithms uh, for which you can enter uh, a number of your characteristics, and that will give you some estimate of success. Bearing in mind these are just estimates and there may be things that are particular to you or to your pregnancy that your uh, pregnancy care provider um, could guide you on uh, a little bit more specifically than an online calculator will be able to. Nevertheless, uh, they do provide some uh, really helpful um, ballpark information. So what about the risks of having a VBAC? Um, There's a lot of focus around risk of VBAC. Um, So this is something we need to focus our attention on. If you're a pregnant woman who's making a decision to undergo a VBAC, it is important that you are aware of the potential risks. So what are the risks? So having had a previous cesarean, you now have a scar on the lower part of your uterus. This does not usually present a problem during the course of pregnancy. However, during labour, when your uterus contracts, you generate very large pressures inside the uterus. And this scar on the uterus from your previous caesarean is a potential weak point in the wall of the uterus. Therefore, there's a small risk of this scar separating or in fact bursting open or rupturing during the course of labour. So I should stress this is for for the most common type of caesarean that's performed. Uh, This is extraordinarily uncommon to happen prior to the onset of labour. We know that of the women who attempt a vaginal birth after a caesarean, there's approximately a 1 in 200 risk of some type of scar separation or scar rupture occurring during labour. And in most of these instances, that's not going to be a terribly serious event. Uh, The team of midwives and doctors that are looking after you will most likely recognise that there seems to be a problem occurring And we'll recommend the cesarean be carried out. And provided this is done in a fairly prompt way, it's unlikely that there'll be any serious outcome for either you or your baby. You'll notice that I did say mostly. And we do have some fairly specific and fairly reliable numbers around the potential risks associated with VBAC in terms of a serious outcome for mother and baby. So it's important that we talk about those numbers. So if you are attempting a VBAC, there's something like a 1 in a 1000 or 1 in 1500 chance of something really serious going wrong that will have really major long-term consequences for your baby. And when we talk about major long-term consequences, we mean stillbirth or your baby not surviving, or a brain injury to your baby due to lack of oxygen that will lead to a permanent disability. Now something that happens to around one in a thousand women who are attempting a VBAC is certainly not a common event but nevertheless it is something that does occur and for those women where it happens um, it is a tragic and catastrophic event. The other thing that can occur if the scar on the uterus ruptures is to cause some serious risk to the mother. So this can lead to um, significant bleeding into the uh, abdominal cavity, so into the tummy, uh, and can result in the need for a blood transfusion. Um, There can be injury to other things, so you can get a tear extending into the bladder, which can be quite challenging to repair. And if it's a really bad rupture, sometimes the only way to stop the bleeding is to do something as drastic as a hysterectomy. Now this is not common and this would occur in significantly less than 1 in a 1,000 women who attempt a vaginal birth after a cesarean. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, they are things that we need to be aware of and take these into account in making our decisions. I also think it's very important that we um, keep these risks in some degree of perspective. For a woman who's not had a cesarean before, who's a low risk woman in labor, there's also about a one in a thousand chance of something seriously going wrong during the course of labor that might have a significant impact on the long-term health and well-being of her child. So no matter which way we approach childbirth, uh, there are always some types of small risks associated with the decisions that we make. Those figures that I quoted in terms of risks associated with vaginal birth after caesarean section uh, apply to women who've only had one previous caesarean. And I'll talk about women who've had more than one caesarean a little bit later. There are also some factors that are associated with an increased risk of scar rupture during labor. Uh, One of those things would be that if we use drugs to stimulate the contractions of your uterus, Uh, In other words, if we did an induction of labor, then we would use a drug called oxytocin to stimulate your uterine contractions. And we know that if we use oxytocin in somebody who's had a previous cesarean, the risk of rupture and the risk of something serious going wrong goes up by a factor of about two times, so it doubles. We also know that, or we think we know, that if there's a short interval between your pregnancies, risk of rupture increases. Now we would consider a short interval as an interval of less than 18 months between births. So this would mean if you had an interval of around 12 months since the birth of your last child until you get pregnant again, that you're in a safe interval in terms of your risk of VBAC. But if your pregnancies have occurred very close together, such that the births are likely to be less than 18 months apart, there is probably An increased risk of scar rupture during labour in your subsequent pregnancy. There can also be things about your previous caesarean that might increase your risk of scar rupture. So mostly with a caesarean, it'll be performed through the lower part of the uterus without any of the incision on the uterus extending into the upper half of the uterus. If there's been an incision or a tear extending into the upper part of the uterus during your previous caesarean, then firstly, the medical team will very likely have informed you about this event because it is quite uncommon. Uh, And secondly, if this has happened, it changes the risk profile quite significantly in that it increases the risk of rupture quite a lot for your subsequent pregnancy. And that's why if you've had a caesarean before, we're quite keen on delving into some of the details and circumstances around that caesarean. So that's about sharing information with you about the risks and benefits of attempting vaginal birth after a previous cesarean. The thing that's potentially going to be very important for you is the framework that you bring to that decision making. So what are your priorities? Some women will come very much with the priority of maximizing their chances of attempting a vaginal birth because something that's something they feel um, is very important for them. Other women or couples might come from a much more safety conscious perspective. So the information is the information, but how you process that information in a way that's most relevant to you and helps to guide you to the most appropriate decision for you in your pregnancy and your baby will vary greatly from individual to individual. There may be additional information which is particularly pertinent to you and we'll call these special circumstances. One of these I alluded to before was women who've had more than one previous caesarean. The information to help guide our decision-making around this is not quite as strong as for women who've only had one caesarean. So we do know that if you've had two previous caesareans, the risk of uterine scar rupture goes up quite significantly compared with one, estimated probably to about double the risk. Once we move to women who've had three or four previous caesareans, the risks become extremely difficult to calculate, but the information we have suggests that the risks probably become quite high, and this would need to be discussed uh, in an individualised way. Finally, assuming that we've made a decision that we're going to go down the pathway of attempting a vaginal birth after your cesarean, uh, what does your care during labour look like? So firstly, we're going to try and avoid doing an induction of labour because we know that induction of labour doubles the risk of things going wrong. Secondly, there are no limitations around your pain relief in labour. So you can access whatever form of pain relief you like so an epidural is fine you can breathe on gas you can use morphine or pethidine if you wish next we'd like to see you reasonably early in the course of labor this enables us to assess uh, your baby's well-being and assess the progress of your labor both of which are important factors uh, in attempting a vbac uh, so once you start to develop regular painful contractions or your waters break Um, it's a good idea to call up the birth unit and make your way into hospital probably a little bit earlier than you might otherwise do if you hadn't had a previous cesarean. Another aspect of your care that will be a little bit different is if you're having a, sorry, if you're attempting a vaginal birth after a previous cesarean, then we like to continuously monitor your baby's heartbeat during the labour. This is because the baby's heartbeat tracing gives us the most reliable indicator of how things are progressing with the scar on your uterus. So you'll remember that we talked about uterine scar rupture as the main risk associated with uh, vaginal birth after caesarean. So the baby's heartbeat tracing is the most reliable indicator that there might be a problem developing with the scar. Now for some women, continuous monitoring can be an issue in that you may want to mobilise actively during labour, you might want to be in the shower and most birth units nowadays all have telemetry monitoring systems which means that you can be hooked up to a fetal monitor without the need for wires and cables and be able to mobilise and hop in the shower and move around the room reasonably comfortably without the encumbrance of uh, being physically connected to a monitor. Otherwise, your care and assessments during labour will be uh, carried out in a a fairly routine way. Finally, I think it's important to say that there's very often no clear-cut right or wrong answer around the questions involved in decision-making for attempting vaginal birth after a previous caesarean. And it's important that you have an individualised discussion with your pregnancy care provider come to a decision that you and your partner feel comfortable with. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this information uh, informative and enjoyable. Uh, We would welcome any feedback and if you have any suggestions for future episodes, please reach out. Bye for now.